Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Thursday, May 18th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, just an administrative announcement before we dive into our morning psalm. Uh, we've got a concert coming up this Saturday, and it's kind of a unique expression for Greenwich. Uh, we're going to have a community choir. So we've got over 75 people that are singing. So we've got other churches and other folks from the community coming to sing. Heather Sorensen, our artist in residence, and uh, Joseph Martin, another composer, and Joe and Heather have worked together uh, many times over the years. Both of them will be um, helping to lead us. They'll accompany each other. We're going to be singing uh, their songs um, with a full orchestra. We're going to open the doors at 6 o'clock, and we've got a new show uh, in the Greenwich Gallery, Fill the Earth with Music. And so there's this kind of play on artistic musical uh, expressions and also the visual arts. So again, love for you to come this Saturday. It's free concert, so no need for tickets. Um, we will take a, a free will offering to support our farthest corners missions. But anyway, I'll remind you again tomorrow, um, but come Saturday, uh, you will not regret it. Okay. Now, uh, I want to share another of my favorite Psalms. And, and it really is a favorite, Psalm 138. <clears throat> I was introduced to Psalm 138 when I was a college student. I've talked about the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, this um, campus fellowship group that I was involved in. And there was a song that we would sing, our little worship team, you know, I was playing the guitar, I've talked about that. There was a song based on Psalm 138. So I learned the song first and then backed into the psalm itself. And of course, the song doesn't catch every verse of the psalm. And so uh, I, I hardly a month goes by that I read this, pray this, that I'm not hearing that song as well um, uh, in, in kind of my ear and my, my heart and memory. So anyway, let me read Psalm 138, and then I'll, I'll tell you why it's one of my favorites. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down towards your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. May all the kings of the earth praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is on high, he looks upon the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Mm. Psalm 138. Mm. I love every verse of this song, so it's hard to pick out just a few phrases. Um, interesting language. Before the gods, I sing your praise. 
um, David lived in a time, this is a Psalm of David, lived in a time, we live in a time, but David lived in a time with uh, idolatry all around. It's harder for us to recognize the idolatry of our own age. It's easier to see idolatry in the rearview mirror when you look historically, and they actually had physical objects, um, totem pole kind of things, carvings, etc., statues, and, um, and so it's easier to detect idolatry in a more traditional sense. But those gods are no gods at all, and so in the in the psalm, it's in it's in quotes. What David is saying, he, he, he bows down and, and praises in the presence of all the false gods uh, of, the, of the culture. And then he bows down towards the holy temple. And so, you know, I have a picture of those, you know, like, like Muslims literally have a prayer rug. They get down and they bow towards Mecca. So, so I kind of have that, that image to some degree. It is not required of Christians or of uh, God's people, uh, the, the Jews, that they would do so. But it's in reverence that he bows down. It's in reverence that we bow down. And I've talked about that, the posture that we take in prayer. So when I'm reading Psalm 138, not every month, but often, I will get out of my chair. I will turn around. I will kneel with my elbows in the chair and I'll, will, I will bow down. And, and it's, it's a sign of reverence, the, the humility, bowing down you know, close to the ground, acknowledging our humility before the greatness of God. Sometimes I will bow not with elbows, I'll, I'll you know, have my elbows on the floor. So it's, it's not the most comfortable position uh, as the years have gotten on, but it is helpful to physically bow down. So let me encourage you from time to time Get on your knees for prayer. It will be hard not to pay attention. You might not be there for long. Sometimes I'm just there for this particular psalm. But our posture before God keeps us attentive. So, so I begin with this. I love the psalm for the way it begins. We're praying, we're singing, we're praising in the context of an idolatrous culture but I will bow down towards your holy temple. I will bow down in the presence of God. Um, you, I will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. Okay, so God's love and faithfulness, praising God, not just praise God, <clears throat> but, but David articulates why. I praise you for your love. I praise you for your faithfulness. And then, for you have exalted above all things. So exalted is to lift up. You've exalted above all things, your name and your word. God's love and faithfulness, God's name and his word are the objects or the reasons for our praise. <clears throat> there are a lot of folks um, back in the day, um, th th they would say, praise the Lord or Sometimes just write PTL. I'm all in for that, okay? Let's praise the Lord. But sometimes a generic praise the Lord can become cliche and it might 
lose some meaning. Why do you praise the Lord? Well, uh, uh, because something good happened to me. So, yeah, sometimes we praise God because of the good he's shown us. But I love this. The language of this psalm keeps me uh, attentive. I will praise your name for your love, this unfailing love, this loyal love, this covenant love. God's love never fails. I praise you for your love. I praise you for your faithfulness. God keeps all his promises. God upholds the world. There's so many expressions we have in scripture of God's faithfulness. And faithfulness, that promise to Abraham, he brought forth Jesus centuries later, right? So to Abraham and through the prophets, there were these promises and God was faithful to fulfill them. So we can have confidence that he will fulfill his promises to us, that we look back from Jesus onward, there are promises that God will, will yet fulfill. And so your love and your faithfulness, you have exalted above all things your name and your word, the name of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then all the ways God is referred to in Scripture, the rock, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the resurrection and the life, the living water, etc. So, so there's opportunities. I don't do this every month, but we'll, we'll reflect upon the name of God. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And then your word. And then, so we praise God for his word. He's given us a witness. He's given us these, these truths, these promises, this guidance that both um, reproves us and, and challenges us and, and convicts us. It exposes us. But the word also points us to Jesus, right? And so... So this, this, as we bow down and, and we, we give our praise to God, there are reasons for our praise. And so the psalm helps to direct us out of just a generic praise God to, I praise you for your love and your faithfulness and you have exalted, you have lifted above all things, your name and your word. And so love that language. Verse three, when I called, you answered me. Mm, love that. So can reflect upon the answers to prayer that we have received. But when I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. And I remember the early years of my ministry when I was first learning to pray these psalms, had just been ordained. I was not bold and stout-hearted. There was a significant... Uh, insecurity, what the scripture calls in other places, the fear of man. As a young minister, how old was I? In 92, when I was ordained, I was 32 years old. And I, I spoke uh, of Dean Burnett, right? And so I told you that story. And so there's Dean probably in his early 70s, 40 years, twice, over twice my age. And he challenged me. Um, he confronted me, he questioned me, and it made me tremble at times, to be honest with you. And I was a youth director before I went to seminary, so here I am as a 20-something, helping to lead and guide students and talking to their parents, and there's frankly times I was afraid of the parents, I'll just admit it. And so this particular phrase, when I called you, answered me, you made me bold and stout-hearted, I, I said, God, I need 
I need courage. I need strength. These insecurities to stand in the pulpit and proclaim the word of God, even if it's unpopular. In that first, uh, in that church where I was ordained, Halstead Presbyterian, was going through a series on the Ten Commandments and the commandment, thou shalt not kill. And I mentioned tangentially, it was not the focus of the sermon, but as another expression of this, and I mentioned the reality of abortion. That, that this commandment, I think, would call us to a serious examination of that practice in our nation. And a member of our church stood up and walked out. Now, it's a smallish room, so it was about the size of our chapel at, at Greenwich. And so it was very noticeable when Dr. Bailey stood up and walked out. And then he called, made an appointment the following week, and he dressed me down. You have no right to speak about abortion. That is a medical procedure only. You have no, you have no qualifications to speak about that. And I'm trembling. <laughs> and I'm trying not to tremble, right? And so this psalm in particular, this verse, you made me bold and stout-hearted. God, if I'm going to do this work of being a pastor... There's courage I'm going to need to walk into hospital rooms when people have had accidents, to meet with families after they've lost loved ones, to proclaim the gospel, the full counsel of God from your word. I can't do this on my own. And so over the years, I keep praying this, that God would give me boldness and a stout-heartedness. I love that language, (sighs) stout-hearted. The psalm goes on. Um, with rich words, but let me skip down to verse seven. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand. There's the right hand of God again. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Um, this is, and this comes, this is a constant theme of the Psalms, right? We live east of Eden, so we're constantly facing difficulties, adversity, challenges, or trouble. <laughs> and David had his own troubles. I have my troubles. You have your troubles. This Psalm gives us language. I might not, absent the Psalms, I might not use that same language. But the psalmist says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. And so the psalms give us language to pray because usually when we're in trouble, like with Psalm 77, our soul is in distress. When we are distressed, our minds are racing. Our hearts are overwhelmed. It's hard to express ourselves in prayer. So the Psalms do the work for us to a degree. They've shaped, the Psalmist have shaped some language. God's Holy Spirit has preserved these words through the centuries so that we will know how to pray in the midst of our own trouble. So you're facing some kind of trouble today. I don't know what it is. Some, some of you, I do know what it is. But for others, I don't. I'm facing challenges and troubles. And so the psalm gives us language. Though in the midst, though I walk in the midst of trouble, 
you preserve my life. Because when we're in trouble, we think our lives are over. <laughs> I'm going to be undone by this. And again, that ties back to the boldness and stout heartedness. We're so weak. We're so feeble. We're so frail. We're so insecure. And so this psalm gives strength and muscle and fiber and foundation to our faith. And then it closes out with this wonderful language. Verse 8, the last verse. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. I cannot tell you how many times I have prayed this, not just on the 18th of the month, but the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. God is the one shaping your life. God is the one directing your life. Yeah, we make decisions. And I'm choosing lots of things, but I think I talked about, it's like, you know, we're the riverboat kind of moving down. God is shaping this large destinies and our futures and forming Christ in us and using adversity and trouble to form uh, dependence uh, on him. And so this Psalm, again, remembering David, the context of David's life, He's surrounded by false nations, false gods. He's bowing down. He's giving his prayers. He's, he's lifting his eyes to, to, the, to the love and faithfulness, the word and, and name of God. And so he's getting that foundation, getting, him, getting the right perspective. Though he's in trouble, <laughs> you know, calling out, make me bold and stout-hearted to face the challenges. And then it closes. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. God, you have purposes for my life. David could recall when, when God called him to himself. David doesn't forget his own youth. He's out there as the runt of the litter. He's the youngest of all of his uh, many brothers. And the prophet comes to anoint the next king and David isn't even given the dignity by his father being brought in. It could never be possibly could be David. And so David was drawn from the sheep pens. David fought Goliath, right? With a simple sling and a few stones, he goes out against the giant. So, so this is where David started, out there alone, given the lowly task of watching the sheep, fending off the lions and the bears, God preparing him for a future <laughs> in a very humble way, humble beginnings. And so each of us, when we recall our birth, our family of origin, how we were raised, and here we are now, and we're all at Greenwich, and God, we can look back and see God fulfilling his purposes in our lives, our marriage, our children, ups and downs, vocational opportunities, some opportunities missed, but that was maybe part of what God was doing, right? There was a decision you made at that moment. You look back and go, man, I wish I'd have made that decision differently. Ah, but you didn't have that knowledge at that moment. God maybe was protecting you for something. And so God is the one fulfilling his purpose for our lives. And his purpose ultimately is, as we read in Romans, that we be conformed to the likeness of his son. Romans 8, 28, God is working all things for the good of them who are called according to his purpose, who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that purpose is that 
we be conformed to the likeness or image of his son. And so God is forming a Christ-like character in us through his love, through his faithfulness, through his name, through his word, through our prayers, through adversity, through the troubles. We come to a deep, more settled, a bold and stout-hearted conviction of God who is good, who preserves our lives, who fulfills his every purpose in us. And so I don't know how much you live with regret and remorse for things that have happened, if only. I think this psalm bids us move in a different direction. Rather than a life of emotional um, discouragement and regret for things that haven't worked out the way we wanted them, God is fulfilling his purpose. So get your eyes off your past. Get your eyes lifted <laughs> to the God who is exalted, <laughs> whose name and word and love and faithfulness are there. And before that, God, may you bow down uh, in prayer and in praise. So friends, uh, I've shared this uh, many times, but this truly is, Psalm 138 truly is one of my favorite Psalms and it's been so good to share it with you. Let's pray. Lord, you know how much I love this psalm and how you brought it to me so long ago. Uh, the words of that song from FCA and how the, that song continues to echo. Lord, I pray for sisters and brothers who are watching and listening that they too would know the confidence, the boldness, the stout-heartedness, the conviction, the abiding faith that you are fulfilling, you will fulfill your every purpose for our lives. And we rejoice in the goodness of that purpose that you are making us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so use the challenge and troubles we walk through this day. Preserve our lives and help us to know that you are with us, you are guiding us. And in the midst of the idols of our own age, Lord, give us discernment. Then may we always bow and give full allegiance, loyalty, uh, devotion to you and you alone. So Lord, hear our prayers as we make them in the name of our precious Savior Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, may you be comforted this day with the knowledge of God who is fulfilling his every purpose for you through Christ our Lord. Amen.